Hello. Welcome to the Gospel Everyday Podcast, following along with the Mariner's Church Annual Read. There is unlimited grace for us today, no matter what happens because of who Jesus is and what He has done. I am Inez Franklin, your host for today. We're reading today from Proverbs 29, verse 27. The righteous detest the dishonest. The wicked detests the uprights. As the Kellers point out, these parallel verses are opposite of each other, like a two-lane highway divided by a centered double yellow line you must not ever cross. And that yellow line is that word, detest. It's a very dynamic image and a powerful passage when you think about it, when you study it even more so. You see, this verse is the last in a collection of chapters from chapter 25 to 29. This collection of Proverbs ends with a summary that contrasts the righteous and the wicked. And as the final statement, when you look at it in the Hebrew, that first line starts with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Tav. In Hebrew, actually, both lines start with this word, Toabat, meaning abomination. Something detestable, utterly unacceptable. Ugh. This is a powerful and emotionally charged word. In fact, many commentaries lament that when we read this verse in English, it does not help us understand the force it contains. When we read it in the original language in Hebrew, we have a better sense for the punch it intends to pack. Now, using the NIV translation of words, but putting it in the order that the Hebrew words are contained, It would read something like this. Detestable to the righteous is the dishonest person. Detestable to the wicked is the upright person. The righteous and the wicked are direct opposites. They are on two radical different paths. They are utterly unacceptable to one another. And it should not surprise us. In Matthew chapter 7, it's interesting, Jesus concluded his Sermon on the Mount using the exact same framework. He starts the end of his sermon by pointing out our tendency to judge one another. Listen to what it says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see, righteousness and wickedness are the extremes, but it's easy for us at the level of righteousness, to become judgmental and therefore put ourselves on the wicked side, which is what Jesus is trying to make a point. He continues, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take a speck out of your eye, when the whole time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Those are harsh words from Jesus. But he's inviting us, he's inviting his hearers to listen to the way in which we can often rock from one extreme to the other. To punch the point even further, typical Jesus, he presents four dichotomies, four forks on the road, each demanding us to make a choice. We can enter the narrow or the wide gate, follow the true or the false prophets. Be a true or false disciple. Build a wise or foolish house. Amazing. Okay, I never noticed that until today. Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount similarly to today's collection of Proverbs. 
by summarizing and contrasting two paths, presenting a highlight, the difference between the wise and the fool. Wow. This verse is about people's postures towards each other, which clearly was highlighted by the colors today in our devotional. We all run the risk of driving on the other side of this human highway, right? Either acting all self-righteous or behaving like the wicked, all along adhoring one another, detesting one another. This passage, especially when comparing it to the Sermon on the Mount, it highlights to me the judgmental tendency in our hearts. We are judgmental people, and yet we hate people who are judgmental. We can easily make ourselves numero uno and look down on everyone else and become absolutely intolerant. And like the colors remind us, we must repent and seek the Lord to help us focus on the truth of the gospel to keep us grounded in humility, to keep us from either extreme. But even if we remain humble, there's no doubt that when we try to be a faithful Christian to the best of our ability, there is a high chance that we might repel certain people. I've experienced this. Years ago, I was part of a secular organization that grouped its members into small groups. I was so happy because the women in my group, they happened to be mostly Christians. And in time, we all shared the same faith and we kept each other accountable. And we were living um, according to our statement of belief and we we're helping each other do so. Well, quickly, we got a reputation for being the Christian group. And some people saw that as a good thing, but others avoided our group. Whenever we had an opening, they didn't want to join us because we were the Christians. I remember feeling so sad. I mean, we were truly open to anyone joining our group, regardless of their faith. But the gossip was that we were closed-minded, a group of radical Christians in that group. And here's the reality. If we commit to living out our faith faithfully, some might consider us radicals and detest us. But that's not a reason for us to judge or detest them. And sadly, we tend to sometimes close ourselves in our church, in our community, to avoid the interaction with others who believe differently, perhaps even detesting them. And they know it. And so they tend to be afraid of us sometimes. Neither judging or isolating is Christ-like. Jesus came into this broken world. He loved us before we loved him, as 1 John 4.10 reminds us. And as Philippians 2 reminds us, he did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage, but he humbled himself, right? And even though he was despised by many to the point of death. I want to read to us from Isaiah 53, this beautiful prophecy of the coming Messiah, written some five, six hundred years before Jesus came just to remind us of the gospel, to to ground us in a level of humility and understanding how deeply humbled Jesus became. It says this, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. In verse 12, it says, He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Because Jesus came, 
Many believe. We believed. Many have life. We have life. We're only righteous because of his righteousness. If we're ever doing something good, it's because Jesus helps us do so. And so we cannot get high and mighty. We cannot judge someone else. And there's a good chance that we might be misunderstood by others, but we shouldn't judge them. The gospel is the opposite of that center double line of the test. It's unifying. It draws us close to one another, and it's inviting to everyone else. It effectively humbles our hearts and increases our hope. Let us pray. Father, we're so grateful, so grateful for the good news of Jesus Christ. We live in a world that's hostile to your word, to your message, to Jesus himself, and that is not new. They were hostile long ago. And Lord, we want to be um, people that reflect you well, people who represent him well, people who walk, Father, in faithfulness. And we need your help with that. I pray, O God, today that you would keep us from the extremes of self-righteousness or wickedness, O God. I pray that you would help us keep from detesting others who are different than us, that we would not be intolerant. This world is so intolerant. People are not tolerant of each other, Lord. May we be people that draw close, that are attractive, that people want to draw close to, that we might reflect the gospel, the invitational nature, Lord, of your presence on this earth that came to give us life and life to the fullest. We thank you for the life you've given us, and we ask that you would use our lives to glorify your name above our else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for allowing us to be a part of your day. Please be sure to subscribe and share. You can tune in tomorrow for fresh new content. And remember, no matter what happens, there is unlimited grace for us today because of who Jesus is and what he has done. For questions about service times and more, you can access all information about Mariner's Church by downloading the Mariner's app at your favorite app store, visiting the website at marinerschurch.org, or by finding us on Instagram, Instagram handle Mariner's Church. Till next time, have a great day.